Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield, your host. Joining me today is Chris Cervello. And later on in the show, we're going to transition over to WAGS, EK, and Keenan Reynolds from the Navy Football Podcast to break down the double overtime stunner against East Carolina. So Chris, before too much else goes on, today is... September 26, 2022, we were at Mile High Stadium last night watching the Broncos in a very stylish and football purist, uh, you know, exhibition of of great offense, an 11-10 victory uh, over the, uh, I don't even know who they were playing. They were playing San Francisco, um, but it was very eerily similar last night, Chris, to what we saw in the first half of the Navy East Carolina game. So let's get into it. Yeah, you know, first things first, really the main thing that's important is that Navy got their first win of the season. They're now one and two, one and one in the AAC after a 23-20 victory over East Carolina and 17th year quarterback Colton Ehlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a really nasty, ugly pillow fight in the first half, two field goals, uh, really some ugly up the middle football. And then the second half, it kind of let out a little bit. Vincent Terrell Jr. got on the board. I know Wags, uh, EK, and Keenan are going to break this down in a little bit more detail. But Chris, what changed in the Navy football season in one half of football? I don't know that anything really changed, John, other than, um, and like you said, the guys talk about it. Uh, um, I, I think confidence, uh, you know, they come out of there with confidence. You know, going into Air Force 0-3 would have been really bad. I mean, it's hard enough to to play a service academy rival uh, anyway, but, you, you know, with the specter of uh, being 0-3 makes it even more difficult. And I think that they they never gave up. I mean, that that's what you saw. I mean, you saw them use a lot of different parts of the playbook. You saw them use talent that they hadn't previously tapped into. The fact that Ty went seven for 10 passing says a lot. They're, they're trying everything they can to win. I mean, that that's who we are. Uh, you're exactly right. I mean, the game we watched last night at, uh, in Denver looked almost exactly like the Navy game and it came down to the end uh, and the team that wanted it more won. So I'm excited um, for the Air Force game. Um, we're 14 point dogs. I mean, you know, oh well, throw, throw that out the window. Uh, hopefully, the guys can ride the emotion of the East Carolina game into Colorado Springs and come away with the W. Yeah, we'll preview the Air Force game later on this week. Um, actually, on location here in Denver, just a short 30 to 45 minutes north of uh, the Air Force Academy. So, we'll bring everyone a little bit more. Uh, you know, content on that game as we get close to it. But, you know, damn, Chris, the prospect of coming home two and two uh, after a roadie to Greenville and a roadie to Colorado Springs, taking a first step toward winning the commander in chief's trophy, really, you know, all of the goals at the beginning of the season remain on the table. Um, So really reversing the curse and getting that win on Saturday in Greenville was huge. So congrats to Kenny and the boys. Uh, Speaking of great football results, I would be remiss 
if I did not mention the fact that Navy has now garnered their first star of the athletic season. Navy Sprint Football, who stand at 2-0 and now, used a pair of defensive touchdowns to beat Army 27-13 Friday Night Light style at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. Um, the 27-13 victory gave us our first star of the year. Volleyball had dropped uh, their uh, star match against Army last week. Uh, Mitchell Waters registered a fumble recovery for a score, and then Lane Condy returned an inter- interception for a touchdown for the win. So it looks like, you know, from Newberry to uh, to Sprint Football, that defense is really, really winning games for us. Again, you know, EK and Keenan talk a lot about how key the defense was in defeating East Carolina, obviously defense was a huge part for coach Alfonso made us. If you missed our interview with him last week, it is a must listen. Please check that out. Um, also let's get really quick before we go into the break. It was also a very busy weekend for sailing. In addition to the two collegiate events, which we'll get into a little bit later, two midshipmen competed in the ILCA crab claw regatta Uh, hosted by the Severn Sailing Association in Annapolis. Um, Navy seniors Gavin McJones, which is an awesome name, put on an impressive display, winning every race in the 29-boat fleet to claim the top spot overall, while fellow senior Jonah Hatt finished in 19th. Um, You know, Chris, you're more of a sailor than I am, but winning every race in a 29-boat fleet means probably that you're a pretty good sailor. I uh, recall one of my favorite Bill Murray lines from a uh, movie where he says, I'm a sailor. I sail. You want to know my secret? I let the boat do all the work. Uh, So hats uh, hats off to sailing for a very good weekend as well. Also, kicking off the season was rifle over the weekend at home. They registered uh, victories over the VMI men and women. Unfortunately, they dropped a close one to TCU um, on Saturday as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about women's soccer. So, you know, Chris, I know that this is a score uh, team that is very near and dear to our hearts. Um, after absolutely crushing Bucknell to start off the Patriot League season. Now a couple of really head-scratching 1-0 defeats. The latest one, you know, the bugaboo for this team has always been going up to Boston and taking care of business up there. The Terriers just seem to have our number. Uh, Despite Maddie Gallagher's uh, four saves, including a save of a PK, uh, Navy dropped this one one nil. They are now four four and three overall, one and two in the Patriot League. Again, you know, after the win against Bucknell, really hoping that the uh, Loyola and uh, Boston games went our way. They did not. Um, from your perspective, this is obviously a little bit of a setback early in the season. You know, but Karen has got to be a tiny bit discouraged. Um, you know that that. After the Bucknell scoring display, we have now been clean sheeted twice. And the prospect of playing Colgate at home on Friday night in Annapolis now is probably a must win game, right, Chris? Yeah, I think, I mean, must win from a psyche standpoint, right? I mean, it's a long season. And ultimately, I mean, if they do well in the tournament, that that's what really matters. But um, I think that we're kind of the opposite place that I thought we'd be. I, I actually thought we'd be winning games, you know, five to four, five to three, you know, four to three. I didn't think we'd be in a spot where we, you know, we were losing one nil 
Um, so, I mean, you know, Karen's got to work with the team and figure out where they're falling short when it comes to falling, uh, you know, scoring goals. I mean, we're getting really good play, like you said, from our keeper uh, and the defense. So it's, I think it's just a matter of, you know, igniting the offense. I, I'm not really that worried. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how we do against Colgate, but uh, I think it's still early and they can turn this thing around. Yeah, for me, at watching the team as closely as I do, you know, they, they've got Duran back from injury. Graziano has obviously been in effect um, playing up front and a little bit back in the midfield, but I really expected Alexa Riddle to be putting her stamp as a Navy athlete uh, on this season. Uh, so far, it's been pretty quiet from her, and, and these games against BU, these teams that typically give Navy women's soccer a hard time, we really need players like Alexa Riddle to step up. She is way too fast, way too athletic, way too dynamic a goal scorer. So let's hope that that starts happening here starting Friday night under the lights at Glenn Warner against Colgate. Let's talk about men's soccer. They got a really key draw with Colgate 1-1. Uh, David Jackson extended his scoring streak to four games. His late PK got us a very key 1-1 draw Saturday afternoon at home. Uh, they are now 3-2-3 and three overall, um, and you know now we have a Patriot League record of 1-0-1 on the men's side. They certainly have an opportunity to keep driving forward and having a successful season. They have a midweeker, and I hate these, these little midweek Wednesday road trips up to the middle of Pennsylvania to play Lafayette. Uh, that's a big one for them. They've got to turn that around, come back down to Glen Warner and play BU on Saturday. So busy week for OD and those guys. Let's talk a little bit more about rugby, Chris, before we go out. Uh, two rugby wins over the weekend. We love that. Um, women's rugby got back into the win column. Uh, up at Westchester, Pennsylvania, with a 2010 win over Westchester, and men's rugby beat Mary Washington 18 to three at home. Volleyball. Chris and I were talking a little bit about this before. Volleyball is a little bit hot. Um, they, uh, you know, they they obviously, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, were disappointed with the drop to uh, to uh, Army in the star match, but they won a five setter against Loyola on Saturday which was key for them. And then they turned around short little turnaround and beat American three, one on Sunday. You know, the Patriot league season, other than the army losses started off very successfully and they have to be viewed right now as a very hot team. Good job, Paco Labrador and the ladies. Um, before we go out and bring in EK Keenan and wags, Chris, what are you looking forward to this week? Other than zero humidity really high altitude and, you know, hopefully a hurricane not hitting your house in Florida. Yeah, that, that would be nice. I, I really am going to pay probably closer attention than I normally do to some of these midweek interviews that um, the sports information team shares uh, with the broader audience. I mean, I'm excited to hear how the team is, um, you know, getting ready for Air Force, where their head is. I mean, what, what a difference a week makes, John. I mean, honestly, I, I have to say, I mean, I'll put myself on report. I was a little bit of a Debbie Downer. I, I was worried that we were going to lose to ECU. Um, and then you really have the prospect of a very poor season staring you in the face. Now, I don't, I don't want to flip-flop too much, but I mean, I, I think that that win was so critical. Um, and and I'm just wanna, I just want to, I want to see in those interviews and hear in those interviews how, um, how Kenny and, and his staff are, are going to take that emotion and, and channel it towards, um, 
I think a gettable Air, Air Force team. I mean, you throw everything out when you play these uh, service academy rival games. And so um, I'm really looking forward to Air Force, probably more than I have in a long time. Yeah, Chris, you mentioned a very gettable Air Force team, and I agree with you. Now, everyone was wide-eyed at the beginning of the season. They beat Northern Iowa 48-17. to They crushed Colorado 41-10, to and that's when everyone got on the bandwagon. Let's be very clear, and I've been I've been tracking the buffs all season long, and now we're like right in the backyard, right outside of Boulder. That is not a good Colorado team. That is a horrible, horrible Colorado team. Um, so let's let's take that win for what it is. They then turned around and lost to Wyoming, seventeen to fourteen, but then they beat Nevada. Nevada is a good program, forty-eight to twenty. What's the common denominator here, other than the outlier against Wyoming? 40 points scored in each game. All right. So I remember the ECU offense, I think, was averaging something like 4,495 yards per game. Newberry's defense was able to do the trick there. They made it a low scoring game. The result, as I talked about in the pod last week, had to be a low scoring game for us to win. And it happened. I think the same thing has to happen. We're going to break it down in more detail midweek. But, you know, this game at noon, um, out here in uh, in Colorado Springs is huge, and I do think that if they just keep the momentum going, they'll come home at two and two. Um, Chris, as we go out, I, I just have to say that you know we talked about the results over the weekend for women's volleyball. That's what I'm going to be looking forward to. Yeah, I, I think later on in the pod season we're going to try to get the Llewellyn sisters, uh, the twins Jamie and Jordan, who you know each posted 16 kills and combined for 27 digs in that victory over American. Uh, I think this team is getting hotter. I think they've got a chance to really like make a run um, winning for their last five. I think the Notre Dame game meant a lot to them. Uh, they have Lafayette at home on Friday night, you know, they're at Wesley Brown Fieldhouse. So a bunch of really good home fixtures coming up this coming weekend. We'll bring you all the details of those midweek late breaking news. It has just been announced from the American Athletic Conference, their weekly honors. And hey, let's put the fun back into special teams fundamentals. Daniel Davies was named the special teams player of the week. He entered Saturday's game at East Carolina, having never attempted a collegiate field goal or PAT, but he accounted for 10 points going three for three on field goals to lead Navy to that overtime. Sorry, double overtime win, particularly his do-or-die 43-yard field goal in the first OT to extend the game. Uh, And then the winner, which I kind of thought was not going in, uh, and then also making the honor roll this year, and also making the honor roll this week was Vincent Terrell Jr. He had those three receptions for a career-high 114 yards and that very key fourth-quarter touchdown in that big win. So without any further ado, here are the boys to break down the East, East Carolina game. This is Sing Second Sports. Just a few words from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. John talked about the upcoming Air Force game, but it's not too early to look ahead to October. There are three home games in October. Make sure that you go to NavySports.com or 1-800-US-4-NAVY and get tickets to those three games. And then while you're on the site or talking to Matt Munley's folks, it's never too early to grab those season tickets for men's and women's basketball. And then while you're thinking basketball, go ahead and grab those tickets for the 
Veterans Classic. We've got three great teams coming in for that. So, you know, think about Air Force this week, but start peeking ahead. It's going to be a great fall for both Navy football and basketball. So visit 1-800-US-4-NAVY or NavySports.com to get those tickets now. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the one and only Navy Football Podcast. I'm Bill Wagner with Capital Gazette Newspapers and the Baltimore Sun, longtime Navy football beat writer. I am joined by two of the greatest players from the triple option era, former NFL players, Keenan Reynolds and Eric Catani. We are talking about a win. And I guess the way to say it, guys, is a win is a win is a win. Sports and all, it wasn't the prettiest of victories, but it's a win and Navy's on the board. Now one and two on the season. Remarkable that Navy's owns East Carolina at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium in Greenville. Navy is now 5-0 and on East Carolina's home field, which is really crazy. And I know that bothers the East Carolina coach. He said that the fans down there have given them a hard time. Why can't we ever beat Navy at home? But uh, kind of a crazy game. And who would have ever thought going in that the hero of the game would be Daniel Davies, who started the season as the third-string kicker, and Bijan Nichols, the team captain and four-year starting kicker, has been injured all season. He now he missed his third straight game with a leg injury. Uh, initially, Evan Warren, the backup, was the place kicker, but apparently they opened it up the competition last week, and Mick Yokaitis, who handles the place kicks, decided – had a gut feeling to go with Davies and well, what, what a feeling it was. And Davies came through big time because in the first overtime, Ty Lavatai got sacked on first down and Navy did not pick up a first down. So Navy actually went backwards in overtime, but Davies saved the day by going out there and kicking a 43 yard field goal to force a second overtime session. And then Navy got the ball first. Navy did not get a first down again. Davies went out there and made a 29-yard field goal, and then the defense forced a three-and-out, and East Carolina came on to kick a field goal to attempt to force a third extra session, and Owen Daffer missed a chip shot, and Daffer was the guy that was the hero of last year's game. He hit, he not, he hit a 54-yard field goal, which at the time was a career-long, that beat Navy last year at the buzzer. And then he's the goat this year. He misses the field goal that would have extended the game and Navy wins. And uh, guys, I was there in Greenville and the celebration was you know, Navy celebrated like crazy. They stormed the field after they went into the locker room and had their little post-game powwow, heard from Coach Niamat. They all came out afterwards and they did their position meetings because that's a tight locker room in, at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium for the visiting team. So they did their post-game position meetings out on the field, but they were taking pictures and celebrating. Um, so let's start with the biggest positive of all, the defense. And the rushing defense was outstanding. East Carolina was held to 103 rushing yards, and one of the, they had a run of 41 yards. Rajay Harris had a 40-yard run. So really – 62 yards of rushing other than that one run. So you go right to Eric first and foremost, and then Keenan jump in afterwards. What did you think of the defensive effort? Um, I thought it was pretty darn sporty. You held a team 
that is pretty high scoring to 17 points in regulation. Eric? Defense played locked out. And, you know, first off, Davies, I want to talk about him and, you know, his ability, you know, to be a third string guy and then switch his mindset and be completely focused and, you know, hit his career long every kick, right? You know, this guy was a third string guy and you probably thought at the beginning of the season that he wasn't getting playing time, especially when the, you know, the captain that's a four-year starter is going to take over. So kudos, kudos, kudos to him for being, you know, mentally strong. And then I, I listened to the post game. He's talking about he's been pressured before. But he's been pressured before as a holder. You know, it's, that's completely different than, you know, being a kicker. So <clears throat> congratulations to him, you know, for being mentally strong and, you know, and sticking with it and sticking with the program. You know, a lot of other guys, you know, I can see quitting or, you know, especially other schools with a transfer portal, they'd be leaving and going to other schools. So congratulations to him. And that's amazing, you know, accomplishment to do that. He said he actually missed a, an OT kick in high school. He, he, he told himself before a kick, you know, let's not do this again. You know, let, let's let's make this, you know, moment to last for. And that's going to last for a long time for him. So I'm really happy for him. Uh, defense, as you said, play lights out versus amazing ECU offense. They're, they're, they're power. They're, they're, they're potent. And, um, you know, the only, only coverage that, you know, I can even talk about is, you know, fourth quarter man coverage, you know, the cornerback is, is going for the glory. And, you know, I, I don't like that play call. And, you know, we, we kind of text that between you know, us guys, you know, we, you know, play back, you know, it's kind of like the Browns versus Jets, you know, the Browns are letting plays go all the time in the fourth quarter and, you know, past couple minutes and letting guys go deep. And, you know, that wasn't to be heroes kind of time, you know, wrap them up, you know, let, you know, play the next down. But defense played phenomenal. Uh, I know we're going to talk about offense later, so I'm, I'm excited to hear what Keenan has to say. Well, yeah, you're talking about the 67-yard pass that Holt Nailers hit uh, Isaiah Winstead, uh, the wide receiver, and, and, and B.D. Williams, the cornerback, tried to make a play on the ball, and he had no help over the top. So he, he should no, not have I'm... done that because he should have known that he had no one behind him. And so he missed the ball. He did not get the pick or deflection. And Winstead caught the ball, and all he had to do was turn around, and he had nothing but green grass between him and the end zone. But, I mean, really, you take away, you know, a 41-yard run, a 67-yard touchdown pass, and East Carolina's net total offensive yards was 370, but, I mean, it's really around 280 minus two big plays. So that's pretty impressive. I'll give you some of the guys who are the leaders. Uh, This guy, Johnny Woodson Brooks, has emerged – as the man inside, we thought that, you know, Will Harbor, who Diego Fago bequeathed the number 54 to, we thought he was going to be the man. And this guy, Johnny Woodson Brooks, has taken over as the key middle linebacker. He led the team with seven tackles. Yavin Gibbons, the safety, he's been having a good year. He's been solid. He had seven tackles. And then Colin Ramos, the other inside linebacker, number 44, had six. And I have to tell you, we were down on the field conducting interviews and the inside linebacker group was right there. And you wouldn't believe how small Colin Ramos is. And he, he does not look like an inside linebacker. But, Keenan, your thoughts on the Navy defensive effort? And Bill, is he kind of Bill like Clint Sovey? Yes, he looks exactly like Clint Sovey. That's great comparison. Man, blown away with the defensive effort. They've been stout all year. We talked about uh... – you know, we were kind of hard on them last week about, you know, how the, how they played on certain on certain uh, 
certain possessions against Memphis, giving up the big plays, but then you come back this week against an equally as potent offense and, and do the performance that they they gave. I didn't know that they were number four, um, number four ranked rush defense coming into this game. So I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of college football scenes with a lot of really good players. So to be the top top five team at, on uh, rush defense as a service academy, I think says a lot about the coaching staff, the strategy, and then the players will, I mean, I think stopping the run comes down to your will as a, as a, as a unit. Like, are you going to let somebody outman you? Are you going to let somebody, you know, dominate you? So really great to see, great to see uh, a lot of new guys stepping up with some Brooks bill. Uh, I was talking to some folks inside the building uh, preseason and they, they told me to take a look out for him. They said he was going to, that he was a player that he needed to be on the field as much as possible. And I think now we're seeing, kind of what they've been able to to see throughout camp kind of manifest itself on the field. Um, as far as uh, B.D. Williams, his play, I mean, that's kind of like a situational heads up type of thing, right? Like, I, I think if you're if you're making that type of play early in the game, not a huge deal, right? Like, you, you can't get mad at a guy for trying to make a play. But one thing that Coach Nehemiah always talks about is, like, not trying to ball, right? He's like, we, we're not good enough to ball. And so, like, what does that mean? But that just means, like, play, do your job, stay within yourself. And, like, normally when you do that, you tend to come out with some really great opportunities to make plays. And you don't have to try super hard. So that was probably a situation where he was trying a little too hard to be the hero, like we said, and ended up costing a big touchdown. I think in that situation, you just, like you said, Eric, just got to wrap the guy up. Like, you don't have help. It's late in the game. They have to go the length of the field to tie the game. Make them drive the length of the field. Don't give them nothing cheap with a big play like that. Keenan, it's just like, you know, we talk about the offenses. It's so hard for us to score, especially this season. And, you know, it takes us a long time to score as well. So, like, as you said, situational awareness for that guy, you know, and just for the full defense, like, that's crucial. That, that's a huge coaching point that, I, you know, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, all the coaches in Newberry are, are stressing, you know, uh, this week. Well, yeah, all credit to defensive coordinator Brian Newberry. And we also really should highlight the Navy defensive line. Nose guard Donald Biscuit Berniard, D tackle Clay Cromwell, and defensive end Jacob Busick. Those guys have been solid all season. They're controlling the point of attack. Uh, they love this backup nose guard, Nolan Barber. Uh, it's a funny little story. Uh, I think um, Newberry's calling him like the Terminator or something because he wears, he's got those, uh, you know, the specs that they issue, the Naval Academy issued specs. He's still wearing those black. Navy issues specs. He looks funny. But um, Nolan Barber forced a fumble. Raji Harris fumbled and deep in his own territory. And that's how Navy got to go ahead touchdown. The first time Navy took a lead, Anton Hall Jr. scored on a seven yard touchdown run. And then uh, got to give credit uh, East Carolina had the ball last in regulation and was driving down into Navy territory and looking like they may get a shot at a game winning field goal. But in regulation and Tyler Fletcher, you know, another inside linebacker made a big interception that basically sealed uh, that it was going to go to overtime. So kudos to the defense, kudos to defensive coordinator, Brian Newberry and all the players. Uh, hopefully they bring it again next week at air force. We'll talk about that more in depth later in the week when we do our preview. So let's move on to offense. I mean, it was kind of a up and down story, which has been the case all season. And, you know, there was some good and some bad, but in the end, the rushing yards were not what they need to be. The final 
rushing total was 191 yards, and that's just that's not good enough. Navy should be up around 300. The good news is the passing yard is, was tremendous. I mean, Ty Lavatai had a very good day. He completed seven of ten passes for 152 yards and a touchdown. That was a 65-yard touchdown to Vincent Terrell, the speedy slot back, and Terrell really flashed in this game. He had three receptions for 114 yards. The one catch he made was spectacular. He reached up and snared an absolute bullet by Ty. That was a heck of a grab. Later, he made a really good catch in which he made two defenders miss and picked up a lot of yards after the catch. So Vincent Terrell showing up and the leading rusher for Navy, and I'm not surprised because I, I predicted this, Mikel Haywood, the slot back, 67 yards, and they gave him more touches. He had 13 carries, which is by far the most carries he's had in game this season. So it appears that they are definitely making a concerted effort to get Mikel the ball. They had a couple times where he came in motion. They gave it to him. They did the quick pitch to Mikel. They had that one little, I don't know what it is, Keenan. It's kind of like a draw where you give it the ball to the slot back instead of the fullback, and he runs between the tackles. But, uh, you know, I think we're going to go to Keenan first, but I, we were talking offline about this in a text exchange earlier today. Maybe this isn't a year that Navy tries to run true triple, and I'll be honest, I don't know how much – I don't know if I saw any true triple last against East Carolina. Um, but that I, I think – and Keenan can expound on this and give his thoughts – but maybe Navy needs to kind of take, pick and choose the things that work well for them. To me, your playmakers are Vincent Terrell and Mikel Haywood. They are the speedy guys that can make things happen both in the running game and in the passing game. And frankly, Ty so far has shown me that he's a better passer than a runner. And you got to play to your strengths. And your strengths right now are your slot backs, and they're not the fullbacks and quarterback. So, Keenan, give me your thoughts on Navy offense and where do you think it goes from here? And it needs to go next week out at Air Force. they got to come in with a plan that is going to move the ball and produce points to win that game. Yeah. So, a couple of things, right? We talked about uh, in our, like, preview pod, I said if Navy had 60 carries, 60 rushing plays, actually I said 45 rushing plays, uh, they needed to have at least 20 touches by the A-back. It looks like coaches might be sneaking the peak of our podcast on the weekly because, uh, like, we, we saw that Mikhail Haywood got the ball 13 times. So that's great. He averaged five yards, carried six, seven yards. I can live with that all day. Um, but what I what's kind of concerning is, like, there was a massive drop-off in average yards per carry after Mikhail Haywood. We're looking at 2.6, 2.9, 2.0. And as a team averaging 2.9 yards per carry, that is, man, that's slow chugging. So I'm curious, you know, I think Eric could probably weigh in on this, but I, I think some of the things that we're trying to do inside, we, we ran a lot of really good, like kind of fullback off tackle type plays that looked really nice against ECU. But I think a lot of the plays uh, that they're just like bringing the averages of carries down. I don't think we're getting a ton of movement up front in the middle. Um, and I'm sure Eric will probably talk about this in his thing. But I, so I think that's something that we have to take a look at and, and really have to be cognizant of going forward. Secondly, I feel like uh, this may be a bit of a hot take, but I think that the triple option, as everybody knows, it is over. Like the rule changes, being in a league, 
what we saw for, you know, 10 plus years, I think I would say culminating in probably Malcolm. Malcolm may have been like the, the, the renaissance of the Navy offense. I think that, that that's, that's past. Like, we're not going to see that again. I, I could be completely wrong, but that's just my opinion. I don't even think we need to go back to that. I think that we need to continue to, to expand on what we've already been, what has been successful for us and what we saw in this game. Ty threw the ball very well, so let him throw more. That doesn't mean put him in positions to get sacked because he's not like, he's not going to be, you know, Malcolm back there evading rush. That means get the ball out of his hands quickly with easy concepts to get guys open. Uh, you want to get Mikhail Hay with the ball, but you also have other people that can touch it as well. I like the fact that Anton Hall carried the ball 22 times without putting it on the ground. That was nice to see. Um, he was very shifty. He can run. I mean, dude can play. So we got some confidence building there. He only had one, one, one carry went for a loss, and that was a one-yard loss. So he's always moving forward. I can live with that. So get the ball to Terrell some more. Spread it around to your A-backs because I know there's a lot of really good, talented folks in that backfield. Um, but I say just keep building on this. And, and we talked about in the in the group chat today. I'm like, one of the things that – and Eric can talk to this too. One of the things that uh, they do in the NFL and really Belichick and when Josh McDaniels was there, they were really good at this, is scheming up teams based on what has been successful against them but keeping them within, within the confines of your core offense. So, like, the plays that you're running, you may have you know, a package of five to eight plays they're relatively new from a film standpoint, but still stay within what you do as a, as a unit, but are schematically built in order to attack a defense specifically. So that's something that I think going forward, especially for this game coming up next weekend, um, is going to be crucial is how do we how do we scheme up Air Force? I know coaches spend a lot of time in the offseason looking at how to how to scheme up Air Force every single year. So it's how do we scheme them up this year in order to put ourselves in the best positions to be successful? Well, I agree with everything you're saying, Keenan. And you mentioned the fullback off tackle. That was the one play they found that worked. He kind of handed off and went left of, uh, you know, off tackle, and there was some yardage there. What's not working is the fullback dive up the middle. And Eric called it at the beginning of the season, and I'm going to have to say three games in that Eric is right. These guys are not big enough to run the ball. They are getting hammered. They are getting – I've seen – well, Anton Hall got injured last night and did not come back into the game. He got injured on a play in which he got absolutely annihilated, driven backwards. Um, so the, the fullback up the middle is not working well. And also uh, a play that worked nicely, they brought a someone in motion across the formation. Ty snapped. They took the snap, and they would either give to that guy on occasion or Ty would keep it. And when Ty kept it, it's the first time all year when he really put his shoulders down, got his legs churning and moved forward and got some good little four or five yard runs. That's what we want to see him lower the shoulders, really, you know, get your legs churning and get forward and, and then hit somebody and fall forward. And he did that a few times, but there's been way too many on first and second down, either quarterback keep or a fullback dive that goes for only one yard. And I counted up about maybe five times last against East Carolina when Navy was in third and nine, third and ten. You cannot live that way with the triple option. And two other things I'll talk about before I hand it over to Eric. Um, Navy had a really nice drive on its opening possession. They went for it on fourth and one from like their own 32, which was crazy. First possession of the game, 
and they're going for it on fourth and one deep in their own territory, but it worked. They converted. And then East Carolina had a couple um, of unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, uh, space, face mask penalties that helped to drive along. But Navy got down to the one-yard line, and I did not like the series of play calls. It was the fullback dive, gained like two yards, and that got him. It was, they had first and goal from the three-yard line. Navy has to score on first and goal from the three-yard line. But they gave a fullback dive to an undersized fullback who's not going to move the pile against the 10-man front, and he got two yards. So then it was second and goal from the one-yard line, quarterback sneak, and then uh, – actually, I'm sorry, that was third down was quarterback sneak. So then fourth and one from the one-yard line, and Coach Niamatololo went for it, and it was quarterback sneak again, which – I so predictable anybody in the world would have known they just ran the quarterback sneak I was begging for some sort of perimeter play in which they maybe quick pitch to the slot back like McKell or something outside because obviously you know East Carolina was bunched up inside and had everybody up on the line so that that failure to score from on the goal line hurt and then later Navy got into East Carolina territory and Daba Fafana, the fullback, fumbled and lost it. And, guys, Navy already has five lost fumbles this season. Last season, Navy only had six lost fumbles the entire season. So, Eric, tell us your thoughts on what you saw offensively and what you'd like to see going forward. Well, I, uh, I appreciate the early uh, optimism, Bill, that I was correct. But uh, you're right. It was, you know, it was some of those plays. And then that fourth down conversion – it was a straight give to the fullback end. It was uh, it was lucky to get it. To be honest, it was a very favorable spot on the TV, and um, you know, I don't think that was the best play call. But hey, well, I know <clears throat> in fourth down, and you get it, you get it. So, um, Keenan, I am really, I'm really <clears throat> intrigued that the man that has the most yards, touchdowns, everything possible, saying the triple option might be dead. <clears throat> I see it happening because. We talked about it. The offensive line, you know, they can't really scoop. They can't get get the their shoulders down. They're they're in front of the guy's knees, and more importantly, the a backs and the wide receivers can't cut block, and you know, get to, you know, actually fear those guys. And you know, running perimeter blocking is very very difficult. Forty Niners do a phenomenal job of it, uh, but you know, those guys are in the pros. So I'm really interested to see this game. It's going to happen in the Air Force. Uh, Started Chris earlier. The spread is minus fifteen Air Force. Jeez, no that is zero respect, right? And, that, and what you yeah. said were four rushing defense. If I was betting, if I was a betting man, I'd be betting Navy all day to cover that 15-point spread, you know, and, and win, of course. So it's a, it's a very interesting, you know, dynamic that, you know, they don't respect us yet uh, after being, you know, a phenomenal team, ECU. So coming to the Air Force, you know, it's that, that's what it's going to be really intriguing, Keenan and, and Bill is – you know, how are we going to scheme against someone that knows us very, very well and knows our personnel very well? So I'm really looking forward to this week, and hopefully the guys have a phenomenal prep week and get ready to beat Air Force. Yeah, so I, just to kind of expand on the, uh, the triple option take, uh, you can still run the triple. I just think it's, it's just going to look unfamiliar to people that have been seeing it in the wing tee. Uh, as we, as some people so affectionately call it, or the flex bone, or whatever, whatever your flavor of name is, it's going to look really unfamiliar. 
Um, and so the key, the key will be like still doing what we do, but like adjusting to the times. And I think that we're, like, like you said, Eric, we're starting to see that kind of in live action. Um, and so like, as a, as a longtime fan, you're kind of looking like, Oh, like this isn't what I'm used to seeing. But at the end of the day, like we got to win because the, when we try to do what we've been, what we've been doing for so many years, it's just not as successful just with the competition we're playing as well as with the, the people that we have playing. It doesn't necessarily fit what they do. So we have all this speed, all this athleticism that was so that was touted early on. The best way to utilize that is to get them in space. Um, and you can still run option concepts in space. Like that's the there's a, a lot of teams that make a living off of that type of offense. Like you don't nobody's saying we gotta be in the eye formation, but I think we can be very innovative on the way that we approach our offense. Um, going forward and it will help us playing in a conference where you're playing the same teams year in year out as well as in these games with the service academies the toughest games that I played in were service academy games because we could not get anything going like we had to make at that point like the games that we won it was made off of just us making bigger plays than the other team or not turning the ball over but like it was very hard for us to be methodically going up and down the field against these teams if you look at any army game like most of them were like hard. We had to really grind to get our to get our yards, and we just had better players. So, you know, if you if the if the players are matched, or you you might be kind of slightly behind the curve on, from a talent perspective, like that particular year, schematics are going to have to make up the whatever the shortfalls are. Well, I agree with uh, Eric. There was in terms of the blocking, there were way too many free runners among East Carolina defenders. Uh, it seemed that. It was either someone inside was coming in unblocked or someone on the perimeter was coming unblocked. I remember one particular play in which Ty pulled it and was going to go down the line and I, you know, with a pitch fan. And that, that was over immediately because the cornerback safety came off the edge completely unblocked and was right there. And Ty had no choice but to try to cut it up and get what he could on the keeper. Um, and then also the short passing concepts. And I want you know, both of you guys to weigh in on that because I I've been advocating for this. Like you said, you know, you're not a great pass blocking team. The play action pass isn't always going to work, especially if you haven't established the fullback dive properly all see all game. But last night they had a couple of concepts that I really liked. Mark Walker on a very short out pass, eight yards on that's that's a nice gain on first or second down. It's it's almost as good as a, a run, and then. I mentioned the one pass to Vincent Terrell. That was also a short, maybe 10-yard pass. That was like a crossing route by Vincent Terrell, and he turned that into a big game by making a couple guys miss in the open field. So, I mean, do you think Navy maybe could pass the ball more? I mean, Ty's a good thrower. He's got a nice arm, fairly accurate, made some really nice throws last night. I mean, do you see Navy maybe throwing the ball more as the season goes along? I, I definitely do after seeing it just uh, there's two things that, you know, need to happen is our offensive line needs to get, you know, solid in that, that pass pro and also the running backs. I saw sometimes in the, in the pass pro those running backs were not in the right positions, <clears throat> the right hands. And they're, they're kind of leaving their quarterback or that, that, that defensive end or linebacker to make a move inside versus, you know, he should went outside. And that's just small things that, they, that the coaches will clean up. Some people tend to think that the concepts that are very successful at, at other places are extremely exotic. But I, I can tell you, like seeing the ones that are that, that do well, they are often 
very simple um, and just like just executed well. So we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to be Oregon. We don't have to have Chip Kelly calling, like drawing plays up for us in order to be successful. I think what it's going to take is like, it has to be a consistent part of your offense. It can't be, all right, third and eight plus they're going to throw second and 10 plus they're going to throw. It has to be second and two, second and six, you know, first and 10, third and three. Like those are the times where you, you have to do it like consistently, like you would do any other play call. It can't, you can't be like very predictable. Like, all right, it's coming because uh, that's when you open yourselves up to the exotic blitzes and really put your, your offensive line in a tough spot. Uh, conversely, like, I don't know if you guys noticed, but like against ECU, they popped, they were popping a lot of linebackers and a lot of run blitzing. Their safeties and corners were very, very tight and very aggressive, like flying to the ball. And the only way to, to like slow that down is you have to throw it. You have to throw it. It's really hard to run into a teeth, the teeth of a blitz and be successful and get big plays. Like you have to, you have to find ways to get them to play honest and play like their base look because they're afraid of all the things that you can do. And I mean, it's tough as a play caller. It's tough to like keep that balance and keep that, that variety coming in with what you're trying to do. But, you know, if we want to go to the next level, we talk about, you know, the, the expansion of, I'm, I'm taking it a little bit far here, but the expansion of the college football playoff, the, the opportunity to like be in a conference without Memphis, without Houston, uh, without Cincinnati or yeah, without Cincinnati and Houston. Um, and then like the, the competition is like, that was, is very feasible that we could then win that conference and be the top, the top group of five quote unquote team that could have an opportunity to play for a championship. So, I mean, these are the kind of things that Navy is going to have opportunity to do, and we're going to have to adjust in order to be successful uh, on that level. But still, case staying in what Navy is, but like adjustments are definitely going to be big. Well, great discussion and analysis of the game. Uh, bottom line, a victory means a lot, and it changes the whole outlook of the season. You're 0-2. There was doom and gloom. Fans were all upset. Now you've won a game on the road against a very good opponent, and things look much brighter. Players' confidence is up. Everybody was happy and celebrating. And that's what you needed going out to Colorado Springs. You do not want to go out there 0-3 with all sorts of question marks. Now you've done something positive. You've won a game. And you can go out to Colorado Springs with a much better overall outlook and attitude. We will be back at the end of the week to preview the Air Force game in depth, break it down. But for Eric and Ken, I'm Bill Wagner. Thanks for listening to the Navy post-game report. We will talk to you later in the week. Thank you. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.